1: Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
2: Hashtag no music, no intro. I'm super excited about this episode. Uh, I think I've been working on this for like two months in terms of making it happen. And confession, so I had a very scary dream last night that Mm -hmm. we actually all three recorded this podcast episode and it was fantastic and it didn't record. So oh. that's, if that tells you anything in terms of where my subconscious was last night.
3: Um, I'm, I'm glad that, I like that the pressure's on though. That's a kind of feeling like of <laughs> i like about to interview someone really big and you, you go with like three recording devices and then there's your notes and then you'll throw in your iPhone just in case, you know?
2: And, and we, we finished and I was like, uh, guys, I don't think <laughs> recorded. So I'm making sure that we're running. It's recording. We're good to go. Um, So we have Anusha Sakui joining us from the LA Times, the Los Angeles Times. I've I've been following Anusha since she was at Bloomberg. Um, And so her role at the LA Times is she covers the business business of Hollywood. um, And as we've said, Ryan and I have said on this podcast numerous times before, this is obviously it's a Saints Twitter podcast, but our sole focus is not just going to be on football. We are going to have guests on here um, that discuss things that aren't football related, that are just inter- things that are interesting to us and things that we hope are interesting to you guys. So I'm going to share my my first Anusha story to kind of just lighten <laughs> things up. So the Um, the, the, I'm
3: starting to sweat now. (laughs) What's going to come out of your mouth? (laughs) So
2: the first time I interacted with Anusha on Twitter, because I've been following Anusha for years now, at least like five or six or so, it was when you didn't know how to use Rap Genius.
3: Oh my god. And
2: you were trying to use Rap Genius for a Drake song, and I think I I helped you out and like how to oh, yeah. use Rap Genius. So that was my first like interaction with you.
3: Hmm. <laughs> uh, I uh, yeah. I, Did, I Rap Genius is amazing. Do but you remember? Do,
4: know, do you remember that? I, I'm,
3: yeah, I do, but I don't even I don't really remember what I was trying to do. I I, I feel like was it for a story? Was I just like? riffing on something sometimes i'll get into something in my head and i'll be like hold on let me go down a rabbit hole and like investigate i don't know what it was like so so it was do you remember i feel like it was something to do with the land maybe i was trying to understand drake lyrics and some i don't know it
2: was it was a hundred percent you trying to understand drake lyrics a hundred percent
3: and sometimes and sometimes it's like i bet you i don't know i could be i mean who knows right but like uh because like you guys like i have these a lot of random interests and um I'd be interested in everything, but, um, except football, right? Uh, no, I'm just <laughs> um, but, <laughs> um, No, but, uh, uh, I, I think, like, so, you know, often you'll be musing on some, when you're writing a story and you need, like, some kind of intro, and I bet I was just, like, trying to find some some interesting way into a story, and, like, I, I was obviously, and that, that obviously, I'm, I'm just guessing, I can't quite remember, but I wouldn't surprise me if it was something like that.
2: Um, so that, that was my first interaction with you. And it's, it's been, it's been very, like, just as a fan of yours and just the work you do, it's been exciting to kind of see you, um, see you grow, you know, working at Bloomberg right. and then I, you know, I believe it was last year or this year.
3: Yeah. Last year.
2: Yeah. Late last year when you, you got the job at LA Times of such a huge thing. Um, so I like, I, I feel like I've, I've seen you just grow as, you know, in your career, which is exciting. So, like awesome. you 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 actually had to ask your communications department like permission to do this podcast like this is this is where we are guys who are listening <laughs> to this this is this is what we're doing
3: um, yeah i try and I'm not every i'm i don't i guess probably not everyone is sort of like tries to be above board but i, I get uh, we do get asked it's not unusual for um, yeah n- normally most requests like even when i was at bloomberg I think, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd flag it to the PR team and make sure, and often it's just they want to make sure that the right person's talking about the right thing, and they were like, okay, no, cool, that was cool, so um, I was all right, uh, you know, and as long as, like, you know, I'm a reporter, I'm not a columnist, so as long, I mean, you know, I, I can opine a little bit about my industry, the industry that I cover, but, like, it's not really about uh, having too many opinions on stuff, I'm really just talking about, like, as long as i focus on you know the beat that i i I write about and then they're they're cool with it they they just don't want you to i guess go off piste on anything and like get like get the la times in trouble
4: yeah
3: so you know watch it (laughs) no it's cool i'm i was excited for this i mean like i've listened to your other um episodes and they've been super interesting so um and you you know and i welcome your interest in 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 this too and it's you know the, the la times job has been super interesting i um you know, a lot of my past has been, to, you know, focused on deal-making type stories, financial stories, you know, I worked at the Financial Times before I moved to LA, mm-hmm. and um, one of the great things about this, joining this paper, you know, it was, you know, something, it was a place I really wanted to, if I was going to stay in LA, it was like the, the one place I really wanted to work, and it's got such a storied history, and the, you know, the, the writers are amazing here, and I just knew I'd learn mm-hmm. a lot, so... Um, one of the great things has just been being able to write for the write about LA for the LA times and like write about the, the real people in this industry you know it's not have you know high powered bankers or you know executives it's like real people who work yeah. on sets and you know kind of I guess the real middle class working class of this inter- of Hollywood so it's been uh, it's been really interesting and rewarding actually
2: so you you brought up working you know, working in for LA Times and what have you. So I think that's a great segue to like the first question I'll ask you is, obviously prior to COVID, I'm guessing at times you were at the office and, and writing columns and what have you. Since the pandemic started and, and lockdown and what have you, how has that transition for you working and covering different stories and different beats um, entertainment wise in Hollywood has, has gone for
4: you?
3: It's... um so we I joined after the LA Times moved from downtown LA to El Segundo so they have these new offices there and they just you know a lot of you know everybody was kind of getting used to this new commute and um so I I live on the west side so that was kind of great for me um so I um I was down in the office on you know day-to-day kind of get in you know nine o'clock whatever and Kind of go through your day and work on your stories, and then you'd be done at six you know six ish or whatever or seven, depending if like if you had breaking news then obviously it would take you into your evening but um and then you know just drive home and now that tra- that those first few months were incredibly stressful, like um you know just so much was happening in terms of the industry collapsing as it were, and completely shutting down um we were all, you know, we would started. I think it was from mid March, you know, working from home, um, and so, so you were suddenly doing like, I guess, on on, on two levels. One, there was sort of like so much happening in terms of news. There was so much news, like, and and so much change, um, and a lot of a lot of things to be to be monitoring and to be writing about. And then also just the the physicality of being sat, you know, sat down. Pretty much all day. I mean, I think like I think some people have sort of realized this that like, you know, you suddenly weren't going anywhere. You weren't going for your coffee break. You weren't going for like yeah, going yeah. out to see people. Like so I think, you know, I, I, I remember
2: I mean, you ordering like a sixteen dollar coffee delivered no, to I you. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just kidding. And this it's
3: is that? why this is why I have no money. Um yeah, like I had, I had to cut back on all that and actually like I actually got into making my own coffee and uh not just like filter coffee, but like I'm I'm quite picky with my coffee, so um, <laughs> i to get it. Just for the
2: I listeners, like, the, the $16 part was, like, a bit hyperbole, but I do remember you yeah, tweeting right. about that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got to be careful, actually. I don't, I, there's a great place on the west side. I don't know if you know. It's called Alana's, um, and that, that's kind of one of my favorite places for coffee. But some places you go, like, some places are just ridiculous. Like, by the time you've got a coffee, which is, like, $4 or whatever, then you get, like, a croissant because, obviously... And then it's like 10 bucks, you know, like, and then obviously yeah. if you're getting it shipped to you, it's-, you, it's might, you,
2: might, you might as well just get an actual breakfast somewhere at that price. You know what I
3: mean? <laughs> um, it's it, it, Especially if you're gonna then get it shipped to you, you know, like it's it's expensive. So oh, I had to yeah. do, like, I spent, yeah. So I, I had to cut back a lot um, and uh, start, you know, cooking a lot more and whatever. But uh yeah, no, I mean, I, I feel really lucky. I mean, I, I just, you know, I have- my own place I just sit here all day pretty much I've got my dog who you know keeps me entertained and I uh you know have a couple of um people I guess in my bubble is what you would call it you know that yeah. so yeah. yeah and um and you know try and get some exercise and I just feel very fortunate that I've been able to work through this whole time and still have a job now touch wood but we were furloughed um for about 10 really? weeks
0: oh, during wow. the summer. Wow.
3: Yeah, yeah so we lost uh, so we have a union that um a, a fairly recent union contract and that's um you know they, they sort of negotiated that but you know that was you know not great but again like there are so many people in like really tough situations i don't really know what i would do if i sort of uh, you know lost my job so i yeah i mean i just i kind of it's it's been tough like it's gotten it's it's gotten a bit better i think um in terms of like just more used to the to the news flow it's less in- intense but it, it is, I, I'm mainly working from home, just like, you know, uh, clattering along my keyboard uh, night and day and and others, um, you know, we've got photographers and other reporters that are out on the streets and they, you know, have to get fitted for PPE and, and, and mm. stuff like that. The big, the big difference is though, there's not the kind of, you know, in-person meeting with your sources, um, yeah. which is really vital part of the job and mm. um, that's, you know, you can do that, obviously, to a certain degree if you're going to meet outside and have coffee. But, you know, not everybody necessarily wants to be meeting yeah, and people. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's one element. But, I mean, you know, uh, see what happens next year.
4: Yeah, we had uh, Catherine Terrell of The Athletic, who, who covers the Saints. Uh, and, you mm-hmm. know, she talked about how, you know, usually during a, you know, during a football season, you have you know the media the press they're in the locker room after a game or after practice and you know they get to know the players throughout the year you get kind of you know there's a relationship that builds and you can find out maybe it's not even something you can put in the paper but you find mm-hmm. out something that's going on here it's going on there maybe you find a story that you could you know possibly you know write about later mm-hmm. and, a right lot of not, times and it's, yeah a lot
3: of times it happens you just happen to be at the, the right place at the right time or someone the, wants to exactly. say something. Someone, yeah. someone wants to say something at that moment and people would generally feel just a bit more comfortable in person. Um, and you know, it's a lot of trust, you know, it's, it's frightening for a lot of people to speak to a journalist. So, so sometimes, you know, like I can understand that nervousness. So, you know, having someone in person, like, you, you know, it kind of, it's just a bit easier.
2: I mean, that's a great, that's a great point because I mean, just speaking to that, the whole, that whole thing, being a social worker, Um, You know, there was a time where we were allowed to um, have tell like Zoom or FaceTime visits to like, you know, see our kids on our caseload. And that's just something I didn't describe to like I for me, like I had to see my kids, even if it's seeing them outside the apartment, seeing them at a gate, because even just seeing them in person and talking to them for five, six minutes there's so much more that they're going to be comfortable telling me in person as opposed to just they're on a phone and they're talking to me with their parent right next to them like it's a huge it's a huge thing it's right. a huge thing
3: yeah yeah that whole in person thing yeah that I hadn't really yeah that, that hadn't occurred to me but uh but yeah that's it, I mean a lot of it's interesting like you know especially like you do a call or you're doing a zoom with someone like often a pr will then end up being able to like kind of be on the call and be babysitting whoever it is mm-hmm. so it's it makes it then puts you at a distance a little bit of a distance so yeah. you don't necessarily get the real deal as well like as if you're in person so but for, for me so far like the kind of work I'm doing um it's been it's it's been an opportunity to talk to people about their lives and people have been very open with me so it's it's been good and I've been enjoying the stuff I've been writing about
2: so speaking of stuff that you've been writing about i think something that is ryan and i find it fascinating is and it's seemed to just have exploded with the pandemic and it's it, it was gaining tons of steam before then is the streaming industry in, in hollywood in terms of netflix hulu disney plus peacock uh, amazon like there's just so many now like i i lose count um And just hearing something that was reported a couple of weeks ago that they were potentially talks of like the new James Bond movie potentially being sold to a streaming company, the fact that Coming to America 2 was sold to Amazon, I believe, for quite a hefty sum of money, like from... As a as someone who works in the industry and reports on like where is streaming like in Hollywood going like where like where is the next step of where it's
3: going? So, yeah, I mean it's been such a a roller coaster, right? Like it was I think last year maybe the year before someone sort of I think that one there was a Wall Street analyst who described uh, 2020 as potentially being like the sort of Hunger Games for streaming. Mm. um streaming companies because like not everybody is going to be you know able to survive that and there's been plenty of um sort of surveys or analysts talking about like what is the real capacity of any household to, to, you know how many streaming services do people sign up to and you know it's been, i think like three or something or something like that average There were different there were different studies but um and so i think this year the pandemic has just you know potentially made that Um, thinning of the field, uh, more aggressive. Um, Well, I mean, no one's dropping out, Everybody's obviously still starting up, but I mean, um, you know, and and some companies are doing really well, like Disney today, um, you know, sharing new uh, subscriber numbers for Disney Plus. I mean, they're obviously a major winner in this, Um, but um, it'll be interesting. I think the next thing is gonna be seeing like, okay, so are we gonna still have, I don't know, like 10 different offerings, you know, Disney Plus obviously has its bundle with Hulu and ESPN, and then uh, uh, Warner Brothers has sort of like slimmed down its offering into a HBO Max offering. So it's, mm. it's basically that, and all its labels go into that. And so oh. it's just yeah. So like you know, if you go onto HBO Max, you, if you, you can, all its different, all that you can go and see like the DC label or the I think Looney Tunes they have a label. So um, it's not like different platforms, and um, and you know and. We're currently going through huge numbers of, uh, you know, job cuts at these companies um, as they try and cope with, um, you know, the economic outlook. So, I mean, yeah. they've sort of been bored, you know, like some of the winners like Netflix and, and Disney, like as people have stayed home, there's been this huge boost for them. But at the same time, you know, what's going to I think the big question is for like what happens next year? When do we see, you know, what happens as as the pandemic continues? We see to be you know how will the economy continue what will people's spending power be um you know will, when will this you know it's, will everybody be able to sort of like continue with their with their offerings who, who's gonna who's gonna who are gonna be the winners um I mean definitely you know obviously Netflix and, and Disney plus um are, are way you know seem way ahead in terms of their numbers of subscribers but um you know it's gonna that, I think that's the big the big question
4: yeah, the, I mean, I tweeted like a while back that one. <laughs> I, after all this is over, whenever that is, I just want to go to a movie theater and watch like whatever movie. I don't care if it's a Michael Bay movie, uh, just the most ridiculous movie possible with a big mm-hmm. bucket of popcorn and mm-hmm. a drink, and just yeah. enjoy it. Like I just, i just can't wait to do that again. But yeah. is there going to be a theater industry whenever, whenever this happens? Because I'm getting a little worried. I mean, because I mean, the money the money has to be running out. You know, the, 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 nobody's coming to the seats. Even when things do clear up, you know, all mm-hmm. will people be confident to go and pack a movie theater and uh, sell out a theater? Um, it's just so it's just so <laughs> many, like even me like even me I'll be like, ugh. I don't ugh. <laughs> sit next to the- <laughs> people. It's yeah. like what is going to happen
3: in some countries that they, they're having, like I was reading about Australia, where they've been more, they've been very aggressive with their, uh, I mean, you know, nowhere's faultless, but like they've been pretty aggressive with their, their shutdown plans. And, you know, it's yeah. just, they, they at one point said that they had eradicated it or whatever, but I mean, they still had outbreaks, I think. But, you know, the, the people were going to like massive, you know, tournaments and, you know, people were in, you know, going out and, you know, I, I believe going to theaters. So, I I think it's clear that, that well, I'm sure people in the industry are hoping that they'll that I'm sure there'll still be a place for um, for for, the, for theatrical and you know once we have vaccine and you know I'm sure you know when life does return to what we're used to I think what's sort of being indicated from a lot of the studios is a shift towards being much more open and the the theaters as well, being much more open to um, making some of these big movies available in the home much sooner. So Mm. that was something that a year ago, a couple of years ago was still extremely controversial and something that the theaters didn't want to happen, you know, and were very vocal against, you know, this idea it's the term in Hollywood is premium video on demand. So that's the idea of like, you know, a film coming you know two a week two weeks three weeks after it's you know released theatrically and then being available in the home and that's something that Hollywood's been trying to do for a long time I mean at least like 2011 um, there was a film called Tower Heist that there was a big there was kind of a there was an attempt to put that on PVOD, and then um, uh, a few years ago uh, I was saying 2016 maybe I I broke some stories around you know renewed efforts to try and do that and now, now, today, you know, like uh, Disney was very sort of positive about how their thirty dollars screening of Mulan, which is a film that you would never think previously would you know be released yeah. in the home right. and, uh, and and you know skip theatrical or whatever and I mean that they were their, their movies are so huge, you know, and that they have that huge demand that they can really sustain a massive theatrical release so um it's it's interesting to see them you know talking about, uh, you know, that that it's release um, at home being, you know, having done well and, you know, that that's something that they want to do um, I'm, potentially I'm, more of or whatever.
2: I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I think, you know, we saw like, you know Trolls 2 this year started started the, you know kind right. of got things started off this year during the pandemic. Um, and then there's, you know there's a couple others I believe like The Hunt, um, Invisible Man. And then the big one obviously was Mulan and there's been, there's been others, the, the Bill and Ted, what have you. And then, you know, the, the talks of, you know, the, the James Bond, the most recent James Bond movie, uh, Believe No Time to Die, No Time to Kill, whatever it is, um, Mm -hmm. were talks that it was going to potentially, do you, and I know this is kind of a little opinion-ish, but Mm -hmm. do you think that is the future of the industry, even post-COVID and things back to normal? Or is this kind of a thing that's just here for right now and eventually, you know, theaters are going to want their movies to just be in their movies to maximize their profit and the money that they get from the movies being in the theaters?
3: So um there's, you know, there's this thing called the theatrical window, right? Like, so I don't know how familiar everybody is listening to that, but that's just the idea of there's a period between the release of a movie and when it comes on, you know, DVD or on streaming. Um, that that used to be at one point like six months in some countries. I think in France it can be like a, like a year or something, and they have very strict rules about it. Um, in fact, it could be in longer. I mean, I don't hold me to that, but it's something very very long to the point that that's why you know Netflix has, has you know um, some issues about about you know France. So <clears throat> that. Um, That's, uh, you know, about their release strategy, whether things have theatrical releases. Um, And uh, so that has been shrinking over time. And more recently, people have, you know, it's been in the sort of like 90 days. Um, And then each studio, you can they sort of track this. You can kind of see like uh, who had the longest time. So like Disney movies were playing the longest in theatres. And then what we were seeing was really over the past few years is this, you know, contraction of the box, box office around, a few much bigger movies, right? The sort of, you know, uh, these billion dollar movies um, that were really, you know, like the the annual box office was, was becoming concentrated around a smaller number of releases. And then it became just, it was it's bef- just before the pandemic it was really, you know, the idea of like the small adult drama getting a big theatrical release. That was something that, you know, really was being done mainly for uh, Oscars, or you know, for it to be able to c- be considered for awards rather than it being massively profitable. I mean, it, obviously, in the horror genre, that was something that that could, that and continues to be something that that could be profitable. Like, you know, small budget horror, and there's it's something that that you know people want to go see, and always you know want to go see in large groups and um, and have that communal experience with. But otherwise, you know, that kind of like mid budget adult drama star vehicle type movie, um, those were more precarious to release. So the industry was already sort of moving away. um, And there was pressure, there was that pressure on this release window. So it feels like this is something that, you know, probably would have happened at some point, right? Um, And it was something that the theaters were were pushing against, but, you know, uh, streaming has changed consumer demand. So that's some people were thinking that eventually you know, that w- this, something like this would happen. It doesn't take away from the fact that, <clears throat> and today like um, uh, Bob Chapek, uh, D- Disney, um, you know, uh, CEO saying that, um, you know, this is that the, their release of Milan, um, you know, that, you know, they, they did a sort of $30 video at the bond purchase um, through Disney Plus in September. They didn't, break out the numbers, but they said they were very happy and that, that there was going to be a role for that strategy in the future. And so that sort of tells you like they're going to keep doing that. And even the theatres have been sort of open to that. And I just think that maybe it's just accelerated something that was maybe always going to happen. Um, but it's it's people still talk about the fact that if you have a movie and you release it in a theatre, you know, potentially you could be earning, assuming it does well, the ability to make money from it. If it's a successful movie, a uh, uh, much larger the ability to do that is much bigger when you have a theatrical release because you have all the theatrical revenue. Then you can go to these different windows. You can go to um, home video on demand. You can go to streaming. You can go to you know broadcasts. There are um, and then physical DVDs. There are many more like sort of bites of the cherry than so, if yeah. you go it's st- like, straight it's to like Netflix or whatever. Du- double dipping, a-
2: like they're double yeah. dipping from different that's, buckets,
3: right? And that's how you got these huge, you know, even in, in not just in film but in television. That's why, you know, you had these TV shows, these legendary TV shows like Seinfeld or whatever that you know made people very rich because they, you know, were able to be syndicated over and over again, effectively. And um, uh, each, each, you know, so you were there were so many more ways to kind of make money out of it. Rather than today, your options are if you spell spend, you know, sell your movie or to or. or you know, TV show to a streaming company, then or a streaming platform within a bigger Hollywood studio. Um, then, you know, that's there's probably only going to be one. That's it. You're going to get one fee, and you're you're there's not going to be like another uh, window to monetize through. So that's something that you know the industry is is sort of dealing with.
4: Um, you write about in, in the LA Times. You write quite a bit about Hollywood's efforts to. Uh, you know, to have a little more yeah, and inclusion. Yeah. Uh, I mean, wh- where do you? I don't. Know, where do you think, or wh- how, what field do you have? Is as far as you know, with that effort, or is it moving in a positive direction? Is there, you know, a little fight, pushback from mm-hmm. certain areas within Hollywood, or is it one of those things that's just kind of going to take time, and, uh, and they just kind of trying to figure the way through the whole process which, you know, yeah. can be a little controversial and, you know, can, you know, can, can be, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting way to move, but mm-hmm. I, I've been kind of keeping an eye on it and uh, I've been wondering mm-hmm. how you feel about it so far.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, if you take, you know, if you look at say, Annenberg Inclusion Initiative at USC and the numbers that they share, I mean, this is something that really, I guess, um, you know, in terms of like the push of diversity in Hollywood, really got a, a big push um around Oscar so white you know that um mm-hmm. that that initiative uh and um that April rain was the sort of pushing for I, I believe and um that kind of really caught on and focused people's minds around uh, the awards and you know the awards are important recognition um uh, of 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 work and you know and and so the academy and just a recognition of like These bodies that and who is uh, that run that's very powerful in Hollywood and um and what is their makeup and if you just take you know one uh one body which is the Academy you know it's like overwhelmingly older white and male then you know a lot of the times you know it's there would be reports of people like not watching you know Oscar voters not watching films or whatever and. You know uh, then just so the academy's efforts to diversify if you look at the numbers i mean they i think they maybe had their they, they invite people every year so um they the numbers you know they, i think they've added some of their biggest classes and when you look at like the impact it's such a big group i mean it's seven thousand people it's not the biggest group in the world but do you know what i mean it's a lot of people so it's like it feels like there's there's a long way to go you know like the numbers are pretty uh Pretty low one in terms of when you measure them and you know when you look at representation there's definitely improvement um and uh you know sometimes it's sporadic though like there was uh I think it was 2018 there was a, uh, one of the last two years um USC there was an increase in uh, uh the number of black directors black male directors and and then you know I think it reversed so um, and then with the academy, it's like they uh, you know add a number you know and not, you know not women, people of color, and it's it's starting to move the needle, but um, you kind of you've got to add a lot of people to you know to, to make that change. so um, I think you're definitely starting to you know you are seeing some shifts in the numbers, but there's there's definitely a long way to go. and I think you know one of the most um, recent stories I did on that was about you know the union representation. I think that's really, is still an issue, and um, something people talk to me about, Um, you know, people would say the numbers are, like, really very low um, mm -hmm. when it comes to representing marginalized groups, um, and definitely not in line with, um, you know, representation within, like, the US population. So, uh, and unions are often the way you get to work in Hollywood, so it's really kind of, I think, and, and I think sometimes, like, in reporting those stories, one thing that I definitely you know obviously it's an education for myself about where those structural barriers are and also an understanding that those barriers exist and that there will be people that will say well maybe you know this person wasn't qualified or maybe they you know people didn't like them on set or something like that you know like any reason and and it's like we know that that like if you if you don't have the connections you can't necessarily get in as easily so it's just I think that sort of there's to answer your question a very long-winded way there's clearly a lot of a lot of way to go and um also it's just yeah I mean I think there is some pushback that you see and sometimes people are very vocal about it and then sometimes it's just a bit more private like not really understanding necessarily what those structural barriers are
4: yeah yeah
2: you you hit on something and Ryan and I had asked you know Steve Harper this a bit when he was on the show a couple of months ago
3: yeah it's a um, super interesting episode I really enjoyed it
2: Thank you thank you um we we spoke about when everything kind of happened with the social um, unrest in this country mm-hmm. um, and what have you there was like this big uh woke ism from like mm-hmm. Hollywood in regards to uh their their message and black lives matter and blah blah, blah. and I, I, I'm sound, I'm probably sounding like a bit of a like a Debbie Downer or a pessimist, I'm not trying to, okay. but I think Ryan and I, and just, you know, maybe African-Americans, people of color in general, um, we have our, I would say just casual doubts in regards to the genuineness, you know, yeah. that comes from that. And so, right. I guess the, the question How I'm How much of it is,
3: is it performative? Correct. Like how, how much is it
2: is like, it is, is, you know, we, we, we kind of keep it real on our podcast, like how much of it is, is shit going to really change? Or are you just, or are just people in the industry just saying this to just say face because like mm-hmm. they know, they know, like it's the political right, the political correct thing for them to be saying it right now. Um. So right. do you, do you get a sense or just in terms of you speaking to people or, and things like that, do you, and you kind of talked about a little bit with Ryan question, but do you feel like things in the industry are changing whether it's movie and it doesn't have to be on screen representation although that's extremely huge too it could just be directors writing um just you know people on set like do do you feel like there 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 is a change in that direction of getting people of color that opportunity
3: i think there's been like a lot of i think one of the work to the many you know um People in different uh, in different groups uh, representing different um, communities have done. Uh, whether it's um, you know the Black community in Hollywood, uh, Latino, um, Native American, Asian American. Um, you know, I think that as there's been a lot more focus and we sort of a lot more light shone on um, the disparities, then I think people have been able to tackle it a bit more. I think, for example, like one of the things that came out from, uh, in doing one of the stories that I did was, you know, the, kind of these, these roles that you get through um, uh, these sort of diversity initiatives, you know, that like, uh, there'd be like a, diver- in, in TV writing rooms, there would be, you know, a diversity hire, so someone who would yeah. have the opportunity of um, working in a team and I think the studio would, or the producer would pay for that. I think the studio would pay for that role I remember rightly and, but then the person would not uh get necessarily another chance because that uh seat is effectively like you know a free seat in that that it's funded yeah. for the for the studio so they just keep you know it was just not proving to be a way for um writers of color to move up the ladder but and mm-hmm. you know the numbers the numbers show that and the op- and the i think also the openness of um for example, the, the Writers Guild who put out this study, and, and you know, one of them, uh, one of the, the the data points was highlighting how, you know, that you may be getting in the door maybe uh, a bit more if you're yeah. um, a person of color. You clearly, as a writer, you're not you're not going above a certain level. So right. um, I think like unpacking the pipeline into Hollywood. Um, and doing a lot more examining I mean I'm sure that's helping things and there is progress but I, I'm sure that you know and, and, and I think you know I'm sure there's 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 still um, a good way to go um, and you know I think that um, if you you know you, obviously you see Hollywood has now a lot of data if you like on terms of like you know the success of uh, yeah. a movie that has a whole old black cast you know if you want to talk about black panther or um you know get out or you know there's um you know tv shows like you know insecure or you know that that's that there is a huge audience for um content made by and featuring people of color so um you're definitely seeing an it seems an openness and i think that The advent of social media is also helping to keep people keep Hollywood's feet to the fire when it comes to, you know, uh, really not not to be performative. Um, So you know you see a lot more scrutiny now of like if, you know, a character is whitewashed, um, and also opportunities for, you know, uh, LGBTQ people to play uh, characters uh you know to have more access also and you know and also um uh you know to tackling ableism in hollywood and having more you know even this recent thing with the, the witch oh the just, well darker, yeah you know? I, was, I was just
2: gonna yeah. br- bring that up to you
3: yeah you know this i think i think you know and so uh, that's you know i don't think you know disability on, on screen and um the access of um people with, uh, you know, challenged abilities uh, that, you know, it's, I think that's just like something that's, I don't want to say just starting, but like, yeah, I think social media is helping elevate how people are being seen and and, um, the voice that people have. Um, And that will definitely put pressure on, on creators and, and studios.
4: I'm curious. I saw saw that you wrote about, you wrote about uh, Tyler Perry a little bit. How, what what's your sense of how he is viewed in Hollywood? I know he you know he has built his sort of uh you know own studio set in Atlanta, mm-hmm. you know in the, in the Atlanta area, uh, where he, you know he does all his film in there, his TV shows, some of his movies, and mm-hmm. kind of you know insulated himself there. Yeah, how, he's on do, quarantine. Yeah, he's on quarantine.
3: Yeah, of yeah. quarantine. You know, like uh hugely uh, influential. I mean, like he's been, um, I mean, I, th- I think he said himself, you know, that like he's been proving that there's a huge audience for, um, you know, movies about uh, the, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, movies made made by and, uh, you know, made by black directors, black creators. Um, and, you know, obviously, you, you know, he's, he's prolific. So, um, I mean, he's hugely. I think he's hugely respected. I mean, I'd, would would he, you know, if he was a, a white man in Hollywood, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he'd say. This. I wouldn't want to speak for him, but his maybe his experience would be different. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's hard. For me, but you know, it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm he's, he's. 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 You know, I mean, he's. He's prolific. I mean, he and the fact that he's gone through. I spoke to him about his camp quarantine. I mean, like, he'd already finished one show and was on to doing another. And so, you know, he's very determined. And we talked about, um, you know, representation. And, you know, he kind of said what I think, you know, a lot of people feel, which is that sometimes uh, our tendencies are to pick from our own communities, people we know. So like, you know, white people might will have a propensity to pick more white people for their department. And, Likewise, you know, uh, you know, he was saying that that if he picks a black head of department, they'll pick more people of color. So, you know, and the stats show that. So he's very aware of that. And um, I think, uh, you know, it's been doing some really important work in that field. What what are you thinking?
2: Yeah, um, (laughs) it's funny. It's Tyler Perry. Like I, I have nothing against him. I just think his, his his medium is a, like an acquired taste like I can, right uh, and like i could say that like as a black man like it's yeah a, it, it's an acquired taste um but I, I am glad you talked about the the kind of sequestering and the in the quarantining that he has in place kind of leading to my next question of it's it's a little kind of crazy to me and we talked about this with steve a couple of months ago so things may be different now Of uh, like there's still a, a whole ass pandemic outside mm-hmm. and i i get i get hollywood has to power through um and what have you but I mean, this is just not me looking anything up just off the top of my head just things i've read on twitter um the robert robert pattinson got COVID. So the, the Batman right. production had to shut down. The third Jurassic World movie, I believe, had to stop for a bit because of COVID. Um,
3: Dominion, Jurassic World, Dominion. I forget which one, how many it is, but yeah, the Dominion one. The Yeah. Dominion.
2: So, and that's just that's just two that I know, and there's tons more. I'm just kind of just going off the top of my head. I, I, mean, I just scrolled one earlier today that something had the, had the Halt production. How... And you talked about, I believe, a COVID compliance um, person on set. Like, how is it being done on set in terms of filming movies, TV shows, while there's a pandemic? And how are people on set, not just actors, actresses, but anyone who's on set, how are they being safe and and protected and things like that? Because it still kind of blows my mind that, it's it's happening,
3: right? And it's um it's a lot of people, right? So if you're doing a major movie, you're doing about like 200 people, maybe more. That's insane! Um, like
2: that's that's crazy. Right.
3: <laughs> so there's a reason why, if you look, I mean, we just did the latest update from Film LA, who who like they kind of deal with all the permitting around the city and the county. Um, and the majority of the work that's still happening is commercials. So quick turnaround, small number of people. Um, there's also less less requirements like commercials i think are technically exempt from uh, uh, la county health orders that require testing for large gatherings so you know that's really important because um that it's really expensive and it's hard to monitor so you know the unions uh the major entertainment unions and uh, like sort of an alliance of studios um the, the big hollywood studios just recently last month agreed to um this thing called this it's known as the safe way forward which is very detailed um guidelines for how you run a set you know it includes things like this thing called zoning where like there'll be a zone a which is where actors are where they can't where they obviously are not going to be wearing masks on camera so anybody that's close to them and people that like just generally have to work very close together so camera people and whatnot um they have to get tested like i think every other day every three days and they're not allowed to mix with, um, or at least has to be tracked, you know, and they try and not have mixing between other people in the crew that can, be, can wear masks and can be spaced out. Um, and they just, they're just tested every week. But, you know, just even the fabric of like having to uh, test so often and manage all that um, at a time, you know, especially earlier on in this pandemic when they you know, the facility, like it wasn't all there with testing um you know we saw you know things like the bottom and the beautiful having to stop for a bit and um you know change lab and and get back to you know into their filming schedule and you know different different features have, have done different things I mean some have sequestered um crew and you know kept them all in a hotel kept them together but I think the challenge is and I think that's something that people are concerned about is as the outbreaks rise it's harder to avoid positive cases on set so I mean I just think all the you know as you mentioned there's this person called the COVID supervisor um COVID compliance supervisor and that's someone who can you know even stop production um if they think that there's a safety issue and they really try and keep people wearing their masks and whatnot and there's um you know some production people talk about you know they wear wristbands that like would beep if someone gets too close to you so you know, a lot of it of working on a film set is running around and being very close to other people. And I think there's people having to find new ways to work, work slower, it's more expensive. Um, and yeah, it's hard to it's hard to avoid um, having positive test results sometimes. But I think the key thing is that there haven't been any major outbreaks. So um, I think it's just gonna be interesting to see what happens as we get into this, of what seems quite clearly a second wave. I um, there's a spike in, in, in cases and see how that impacts um, production. We've already seen like, you know, some reports of of, uh, of TV shows having to shut up because they've had more cases. So I think that's going to be a bit of a stressful time ahead probably.
2: No, thank you. That it's, it's still, it's still, I, I don't know. I just, I, I get why an industry like, Hollywood and entertainment you know it has kind of has to I mean I guess it doesn't have to go on but I understand why it is going on it's like it's not a need but if you look at it from the grand scheme of things just in terms of like just jobs and people's livelihoods um it's such a vital vital industry especially for you know we both live in Los Angeles we live we live here so we know um how vital it is to the to the job market so that that's understood um so this is something that Ryan and I kind of asked for anyone who comes on here who's works in the entertainment industry. So um, you're our second person that's been on, on the podcast who works in the entertainment industry. So we need to, we got that. We have to know um, your, your favorite movie, favorite TV mm-hmm. show. Um, you know,
3: it's a tough one. Uh, favorite movie. Oh man. Just, uh, picking one is hard, Well, let's start with TV shows because I've thought about that. Um, and I just realized there's uh. I hey, Ryan, is this is this like the Wire is is your favorite TV show, yes right? Yes, yes. Um, and I just realized there's a whole podcast about it with um, Jamila Hill. Is that Jamel Hill? Yeah, yeah, with Jamila Hill. I, yeah. Have you listened that? I just started listening to it. It's so awesome. I
4: <laughs> I, really is, I,
3: it's great. I I've,
4: I've listened to it. It's great. It's awesome.
3: I've just so I've been I've been really watching the Wire a lot. I love that. Um,
4: oh, uh, nice. I love that.
3: Yeah, I I I was trying to because I was listening to the to that podcast and I was thinking when did I start watching it? I can't really remember, but I mean I've watched all five seasons several many 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 times, and at the minute yeah. I'm having a bit of a moment with it. Um, I also love True Detective season one. Uh, I watched um, that a lot. Um,
2: that's something that Ryan hasn't seen it, but I I, yeah, haven't, gosh, seen, I oh, haven't seen I haven't seen The Office, but he hasn't seen season like one season of True Detective.
3: I mean, I oh yeah, season one. I think is is like for me. I, I I don't know. I just love it. Um, I yeah, watched that many times. It's
2: fantastic television.
3: And um, I don't know what I uh, yeah Atlanta. I loved. I, I kind of I'm I'm excited to see like that. I think was he saying recently um that talking about uh, season three and four potentially coming. So uh, uh and, 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 yeah, I think uh, sorry what?
2: Yeah. De- uh, no, Daniel Gulliver said that season three and four are gonna be the best thing on television. The only thing that can compare to it is The Sopranos.
3: Well, I mean, <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> I don't know, like, I, I, I mean, like, yeah, uh, I would, uh, I would believe it. Um, and um, uh, so, yeah, and then film. That's it's a hard, it's hard, to, it's hard to pick. I mean, I grew up yeah. watching Watership Down over and over again. And the sound of music. I know that's really lame, but more recently, I've but you know, like, that's just the stuff that stays with me. And then, um, more recently, like, I'm a big, uh, Chris Nolan fan. Uh, oh, okay. yeah, I love, yes. yeah. Yeah. I love Interstellar. Um, Ooh. I know it's not everyone's jam, but you know, oh my um,
2: God. Ryan and I talk about it in text messages like at least once a month. Too much.
3: <laughs> really? Too much. Really? We oh. talk
4: about it too much.
3: <laughs> I, I just, I love, like, just the whole thing about, like, firstly, I love Matthew McConaughey, but like, and I think even today someone was talking about, I think he's commented again about the sound mixing on his films. It's so controversial, but I love it. Like, I love Oh, my memory. God.
2: Hans Zimmer and the sound? Oh, my God. It's amazing.
3: And and it's- I just, when he gets stuck behind the, <laughs> the wardrobe, it's sort of like, is he stuck behind the wardrobe? What's happening? Like, it's just, <laughs> I, I just watch it over and over again, and I really enjoy it. And it's not perfect, you know, like, it, yeah. is, a, it is a bit long, um, but... Um,
4: yeah, Chris, Chris, Nolan. He just, he, Chris Nolan. He just has such a way to yeah. tap into that. Uh, I don't know when you kind of when you were young and you would watch a movie and it's just kind of take you to another place. Uh, that's what I get out of his movies. It, they just, I love, I love his movies. I hadn't seen Tenet yet, be, uh, yeah, because I mean, obviously, you know.
3: I also really love. Um, I really love the Alien franchise, and I and I watch that, and I watch Prometheus and Covenant a, a, a lot. Oh. I, I don't know why, but I know, I know, I know, I know that's controversial. I know that's controversial, but, but I don't know why. But I, I really like them. I don't know. I think it's the music as well. I don't know. I,
4: I just I don't. will say I do like the Covenant. I like the Covenant. I thought I thought it was actually a good movie. Prometheus. Yeah. I mean, you know, it had its problems. It was a good-looking movie though. It looked good. Right.
3: Know? I don't know why, but I just I don't know. I just like I just like them both. And um uh yeah, I, I would say those are kind of I, I and and I really like Ari Acid. So hereditary, like I'm not a fan Whoa. of scary movies, but hereditary and Midsommar are just I still
4: just need to see mend- hereditary. Yeah. Hereditary
3: be prepared to what to have the light on, to sleep with the light on for three weeks. I mean that's <laughs> what I did. I I
2: I can't vibe with you on 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 Midsummer. I can't. I, I what, tell me
3: what you're thinking oh, is. Oh
2: god, it was it was a beautiful movie, but <laughs> the like the lighting and everything was just it was a beautiful movie, but I just the plot and
3: It was out <laughs> <bad. laughs>
0: yeah, there.
2: Yes, bad. it was. It and it wasn't as bad as Mother, which is probably oh, one I'm of right, the yeah. one of the worst movies I've been ever ever like have seen um, but it reminded me of the like the experience i had when i was watching mother and i was like what am i um, even watching right now
3: the one with jennifer
2: um yes the, yeah, lawrence yeah
3: the, jennifer lawrence yeah okay i'm gonna tell, i'm i know i okay i'm i know i'm it's it's also controversial and a min- minority view but i also kind of like that film i probably wouldn't watch it again but I don't know why. I, like, I mean, it's crazy. That also is kind of crazy. But they have, they do have a similar vibe, and I see what you mean. Yes, they,
2: they they do. They absolutely. And like do.
3: I I, I, like, I like Annihilation as well. Like I, that's a film that people. I don't think really. That one I
2: I can I can vibe with Annihilation. I can vibe with Annihilation. Yeah, yeah I, you know
3: I, I, I like it. I I I you know there's this YouTube channel I think it's called Looper. There's there's a lot of like dissection of uh Hereditary and Mitsumaru and. I really enjoy those. And like when you, I was watching one recently about all the things you can miss. you got to watch one of those, then rewatch the movie. But um, if you haven't seen Hereditary, like that, I don't know if that film.
2: Can we, maybe, can, speaking of your industry, can we talk about how, I haven't seen all of Hereditary, but I've seen enough of it. Um, can we talk about like this just stigma and like award season? Like how did Tony Collette and I get nominated? for an Oscar with her acting in right. Lady Terry. Like, it, yeah. like, it's just, it's insane.
3: I mean, like, that's, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm not a film critic, but um, definitely, I mean, I, I, I she's amazing and, and that film is just so, it fills you like with so much, and the first time I watched it, I watched it because there was, um, when I, I don't cover awards uh, anymore, I, when I was in my last job, I used to cover the Oscars and the Globes and so I, I obviously, you know, I wanted to have seen everything that was of the contention so I forced myself to watch Hereditary. I don't like scary movies, they freak me out and they, they heighten my anxiety, which I don't need and um, so I was, I think I watched it on the plane because I'd heard. That's the, a terrible idea, talking.
2: by the way. I
3: know, <laughs> I know, I know, right? um <laughs> don't do that um yeah because I'd heard about her performance and um and I, I was watching it in like increments like it was I was I was flying from London to LA and I was like I was being able to watch it in like out like half hour increments like it would get so much and then I'd stop and and then I, I re-watched it I've rewatched it i have watched rewatched it a few times till so that like sometimes I just have to have the sound off it's just too intense but yeah I mean I think it's definitely sort of um a known thing in Hollywood that maybe there's a sort of um I mean I think Get Out was the first horror movie yeah. or considered horror movie I think it was if I remember rightly it was Oscar nominated it was the first one in in the long it, it was seen as unusual like it's it's, yeah. it's definitely a genre that you know probably doesn't get the props that it should yeah
2: absolutely yeah um yeah I mean Maybe there's a, a change of the, of the guard coming in, in regards to that, but there's just, you know, certain movies just get the stigma, you know, horror movies. It wasn't until just barely recently that things like, you know, superhero movies, comic book movies were starting to get nominated for, you know, the right. recognition that they deserve. So there's, there's this slow change, but it's also still very annoying where you have these great performances in these movies and you know, they tend to get poo-pooed, you know, just because they're not a, a drama or or what have you. Um, right. spe- we're speaking on the, the Oscars, and this is the last one we'll have for you. We don't want to take too much of your time. We'll get you out of here. Um, can you explain <laughs> the whole thing that Christy Alley got on in regards to, like, now, like, the diversity thing? And it's not for, I don't believe it's for all movies, but, like, that in terms of a movie to be, I guess, considered for certain categories and meeting like these diversity thresholds. Can you just quickly like walk us through, walk us through that?
3: Sure. Um, So it's not a story that I I covered, um, but you know, definitely that, I mean, it's, I mean, it's interesting sort of like, I think first major, well, in Hollywood, anyway, I mean, the, I think the BAFTA, the BAFTAs in the UK had, um, had added, uh, you know, diversity elements, uh, to its eligibility, um, uh, its eligible. Uh, uh, sorry, I'll say that to its eligibility uh, criteria, um, and so the way, um, I can't walk you through it step by step because I, I don't know it too too well off the top of my head, but basically they have they have set these different standards for the best picture um, to uh, that they have to meet uh, to be considered in and ter- in terms of representation and so the but you know I think you know uh, uh, people have already noted this and including Stacey Smith from the Annaberg initiative that um, you know some people believe that you know many of the films that, have been in contention would, would already meet these criteria. So um, so it's kind of it's going to be interesting to yeah. see how how it sort of plays out this year. Um, I, I mean yeah, the, the, I remember there was uh, you know some pushback from, but uh, I think it's the direction that other awards have taken. So in some respects, it's probably not surprising that they that they went that way yeah that
4: makes that makes, um,
2: that makes sense
3: yeah um and so i think uh i think it's it's yeah i mean i, I think there's still some working on the uh, on it so i think we might get i'm not sure if there's going to get more information but um yeah it's not something that i, I wrote to, i wrote about so um i have to out on that, except to say that, uh, <laughs> yeah, probably, I'm probably not the smartest person on it.
2: Uh Ryan, do you have any, anything else for
4: No, no, I, I just enjoyed this whole conversation, it was, uh, I just, I got a lot out of it, I just, and she's a Wire fan, like, I don't need I mean, to hear anymore, else? like, <laughs> I just don't need
2: to hear anymore. You, like, it, so when we when we post you know the episode episode we're we're gonna obviously put your your twitter handle in that you're a like a fantastic follow like you, you are like you're like you're you you make twitter um fun and exciting and your your humor always always shines through um i will say though that you know for a person that says like they're not into horror like I remember when I watched like 28 days later and I would totally oh, you yeah. on Twitter, like I was like, oh, this is the movie that people are recording. You're like, what? Like you seems like you just watched quite a bit of horror movie for someone who doesn't yeah. enjoy the genre. I, th-
3: I find zombie, I do watch a lot of zombie movies. Yeah, let's Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> now that you mention it. Um, now that you mention it, yes, that is true. Um, I think I, I some I don't find like zombie movies or things like that like so much so scary. Um but right, right. But things that have like the the occult for some reason. I watched the mm. I watched Poltergeist when I was like eleven, and that kind of scared me so for life basically. So I think that um, anything kind of like this ghosts or the occult or something. Yeah, ghosts that that. I'm, I'm, but. Like ghoul or zombies, I actually kind of enjoy. Well, zombies. <laughs>
2: yeah. um, one more that kind of came to me before we'll, we'll let you go. Yeah. Um, recently, Netflix raised their, their prices again in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, for, for our customers. Is there any type of study or report in terms of as consumers, what is the price where it's no longer going to be acceptable for us to continue to pay. Like, is there like a, like a number? Cause like, it's, it's like, there's like kind of sneakily doing it continually, continually. Mm. That. Mm. Yeah. But like, what, like what is the cutoff?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I mean, like, um, let me just, uh, can I do a quick Google search while I do this? Um, of course. <laughs> no, like, what are we going <laughs> to say? Like,
2: it, like, no, like,
3: no, like, tell us right now. Um, like. <laughs> you can charge, because I do feel like, um, I do feel like there has been, there are those studies out there, like, what's, and I feel like it's, I don't know why, I, I feel like there, there have been those studies out there, um, and, um, and I think the streaming services are, um, are probably aware of it. Um, and, you know, if you think about Netflix, I think it's been interesting to look at, like, you know, where Apple came in when it launched its service, where Disney came in, they came in super low, like, really low right? And they scooped up a massive uh, membership, probably as a result of that. Um, and obviously, they're you know amazing content. So, you know, um, they, you know, they really, you know, they really set a, a, a level there and, you know, and then on the flip side, you've got something like HBO Max, you know, which um, something like fourteen ninety nine. I think I'm paying like $11 or something. They have a special, but, you know, and they don't, you're not, you know, it's, it's not this it's, they. there. I don't believe there's as much, um, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't want to say there's not as much. Cause I mean, who knows in terms of the libraries, like what's on what, but um, yeah. I mean, that's a big, there's a big price differential. So, I think that um, I, I don't know if there's like a sort of uh, uh, like a sort of psychological limit which you cut off. Um, I know that it's definitely something people um, you know think about, like <laughs> what's the cut off. I mean, there's like it seems like HBO Max is a kind of the ceiling out there, um, and they're they're still doing you know well. I think they've uh, they're you know getting a fair fair number of subscribers so um, who knows I mean the, Netflix has this different different levels of, of plans right so right.
0: Yeah, I think on
3: do. one level they're like yeah so you know I'm,
4: they had I'm, inter- I'm interested to see how that whole uh, Justice League Snyder cut release thing works out I know they would I know I think I uh, saw where Warner Brothers was kind of you know they were dumping a lot of money into it So I Bam- mean, bamboozled Hood wings.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Really I mean, it, that's going to be interesting, right? Like uh, how that compares to, and I mean, just the fact that the stars were so uh, so that's supportive crazy. of it. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah. Uh,
2: I thought it well, was well, really interesting. I just, I think it's the way I see it, or and maybe I'm misreading this. Is just interesting to me that it was kind of proposed like this hashtag Snyder cut like there wasn't much to be done right it was just mm-hmm. a couple of corrections like the film the film was done some editing maybe some sound mixing some cgi fixed it up boom snarkus done so the fact that this is no disrespect to Zack Snyder like i appreciate the hustle bro but the fact that he's like gotten warner brothers to put like what 17 million 18 million in a movie that's already come out like that is that is wow it's it's, it's unprecedented
3: but what's i think what's interesting with a lot of these subscriptions you know streaming companies is that like and and netflix is the real model right like what they need new fresh stuff all the time to get people to subscribe and Mm -hmm. you know really it's like moving from it's moving towards a subscription economy in terms Mm -hmm. of hollywood so it's really a question of like, what can you what what can you do to just like get people to subscribe? And, and yeah. Netflix spends a lot of money on content and is is outspent most of Hollywood. So, you wow. know, uh, you know, if if it goes on HBO Max, then you know, people a lot of people sign up for that.
2: Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's just that the whole concept and everything to me is just, it's just wild, just wild. And like I said, props to Zack Snyder and everyone who. You know, they're like they're doing reshoots. Like that's like that's nuts. Like that's nuts. Um, But it's it's been great having you on. We, we're not going to keep you any longer. We could talk no, the no industry. Worries. We can talk the industry to you all night if we could. Um And uh, you know, we want to thank you for coming on, uh, making time for coming on, spending time with us, uh, talking. You know, just having fun. I hope it was. Yeah, fun. it's been <laughs>
3: enjoyable. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, and, and keep doing the great work.
2: Thank you, we appreciate okay. it. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have it up probably like later this evening or maybe tomorrow morning, um, yeah. we'll put out, you know, so follow Anusha on Twitter, um, but I'll wait, just wait for us to post the, the pod. Oh yeah, I'm not gonna
3: say, yeah. Yeah, say
2: the, the, in terms of just us yeah. trying to, yeah, we'll, we'll just wait, so
3: I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll wait till you've, you've done, you're done.
2: Yeah, <laughs> um, but please follow Anusha on Twitter. She's a great follow. I've I've been a follow of hers for years, and the fact that you know she did what she needed to do and got permission to come on, we really appreciate it. So thank you so much, Anusha We we we, you are it was a joy. You're a ple- you're a pleasure.
3: Uh, you guys, thanks for uh, you know uh your interest in this in this area and following the LA Times, and uh, yeah, and having me on has been a blast. Thank you.
4: Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And with that, we're out.